0: Welcome to the Horse Talk Show. You never heard of a talking horse? With your host, Louisa Barton. I want to be a famous rider. Presented by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. Truth is, I help horses with people problems. Now here's the Brit with the Bit, Louisa Barton! Yeah, (laughs) baby! Yeah!
1: Thank you for joining us on the Horse Talk Show, presented by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. (laughs) I'm Louisa Barton, the host of the show and executive producer in the studio with me. I have Paulette Stout, who's currently filming me, (laughs) uh, my co-host and crazy equestrian. Uh, Also, special guest, we're very, very honored indeed to have uh, Lynn Palm, who is a superstar in the horse world. Uh, world-renowned. In fact, Lynn, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. It is absolutely our honor to have you here. going to start off with a little bit of news in the first segment for a few minutes. Then we're going to have Dr. Adam Kayot from Peterson and Smith join us by phone for the second segment and talk. uh, I think we stopped at enemas last week. We were talking about uh, newborn foals, uh, best procedures, things to look out for. We're going to wrap that up today. Then we're going to have three segments of the show with Lynn. We're gonna start out learning a little bit about her, and then we're also going to chat about Western Dressage, uh, which sounds absolutely fun and an absolutely wonderful discipline. It's a little bit newer in the equestrian disciplines, um, but very exciting, very popular. People are loving it. We're gonna talk about Lynn's accomplishments, some of her bucket list, uh, and she doesn't have a whole lot left that she could possibly accomplish, but I'm excited to hear about that. We're going to wrap it up. We uh, actually have a mini series uh, with uh, Linda and Pat Perelli. We'll wrap it up with today, um, with episode one, which is rather cute. It's about their childhood. Uh, so let's start off with some news. And this one, I want some comments on Facebook, or some messages, or something. The Belmont Stakes will be run before the Kentucky Derby and Preakness for the first time and take place at. A shorter distance. And I see on social media today, a lot of people going, but why, but why, but why? Well, because the the Derby and the Preakness are really conditioning, in my opinion, for that really, really long test of champions. Um, And so I don't really feel horses would be ready for a mile and a half uh, at that point without having run the Derby and the Preakness. That's just my opinion, but I'd love to hear what you think. So it'll be a mile and an eighth instead of the usual mile and a half, which is its trademark for nearly a century. So please comment uh, on Facebook or message me with, what are your thoughts on shortening it? It kind of makes it not the Belmont, don't you think? No, it doesn't make it the Belmont. Uh, It's gonna be, well, you know, what we said last year was this is the weirdest year ever because we had the disqualification Mm -hmm. uh, for the first time for an infraction. And we thought that was the weirdest. Now I think that, you know, COVID-19, hold my beer, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's this this year's weirder. Um, so not traditional at all, not in the traditional order. But what order. would you do if
2: you had a Triple Crown this year? It wouldn't be
1: the same. Uh, that's actually kind of what I'm expecting in the comments a little bit, because the whole thing about having the three races in five weeks is mm-hmm. really what makes it so incredibly tough mm-hmm. for these horses to be able to accomplish. And it takes a really special horse, which is why we waited 37 years, um, okay. to get one with American pharaoh because it is so hard to do. Mm-hmm. So if you now do, you know, the Belmont Some now different. and then you wait until the fall and you do the Derby and the Preakness, it isn't the same test for the horse. Mm-hmm. So I don't think, I, wh- whoever, whichever horse wins that this year can't be held in the same esteem, in my opinion, as a horse that, did it Because even if weeks. they
2: won it, they would have to almost prove themselves again, wouldn't they? Absolutely,
1: yep. yes. Well, mm-hmm. and then they, if the Breeders' Cup runs as normal, they, and then they, that horse also won the Breeders' Cup, it would sort of, in my opinion, have then proved itself because it would have to do three very difficult and intense races in a very still a very short period, not five weeks, but still a short mm-hmm. period. So I feel like if that horse then went on and got the grand slam, which is the Breeders' Cup as well, and American Pharaoh's the only horse in history to ever do that because there wasn't a Breeders' Cup last time there was a Triple Crown Mm -hmm. before him. So in my opinion, if a horse wins the (coughs) Belmont, it then wins the Derby Preakness and the Breeders' Cup, mm-hmm. I would probably say, yeah, I you would have won the Triple Crown. I mean, but it
2: obviously is gonna be a great horse if it did win the races. Right. I mean, we always True. know that. That's right. good, a great horse, but how great is he as compared to what Two. has been? Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Could I don't he have done it if it was can, arranged yeah. differently? Yeah, and
1: you can't say that because they peak at different times, don't yes. they? So, mm-hmm. some horses peak You know earlier in the year and Mm -hmm. they've already reached their peak by the time the derby comes Mm -hmm. some of them you know it's the opposite so Mm -hmm. for those that peak later it's Mm -hmm. probably much more beneficial the way Mm -hmm. that it's being run Mm -hmm. um bob baffert's comments were i'm just glad we get to run and he (laughs) said you know a couple months ago we didn't even know if we'd have any of them um the funny one the real funny one for me is running the belmont with no spectators
2: yeah I mean, that's how... But then you would miss, if you didn't have that, you'd miss all these two-year-old, three-year-old horses that were coming up. I know, and you're right, because then there them. wouldn't
1: be one this season no. at all. You'd be mm-hmm. waiting till later in yeah. the year. Well, I mean, we'd we have the Travers and uh, and the, the summer races, mm-hmm. you know, that that we have, which are... But all those breeders
2: that have bred for those horses to do this, yeah. you know, would miss yeah. out. I know. Yeah. It's yeah. all a crazy thing, really. Yeah. I mean, you don't... Mm-hmm. I'm just glad
1: to see that racing is starting back and you know we're starting to see the mm-hmm. tracks reopening and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Cassie, who just recently was inducted into the Hall of Fame in the USA, has been in the Hall of Fame in Canada for a long time, um, he said, it's gonna help some and it's gonna hurt some. You're gonna see a lot stronger, probably bigger horses than you would have done if it ran in May. So it'll be interesting. Also, OBS, or Calabria Sales, and Phasic tipton have swapped their dates in October because um, mm. typically the Maryland sale runs in the same weekend as the Preakness, which makes it very convenient for yeah. people who love the sport to be able to go to the race and the sale. So OBS, and actually I'm hats off to OBS for this, because they're actually competitive with Phasic tipton for sales. But Tom Ventura said, I don't want to affect the sport by not swapping because if I swap, then the people can go to the race, yeah. and they can also go to the sale. Yeah. So they've actually flipped so weekends in October. So it's better for the, opto, for the racing opto. and everything, yes, the whole it business. Is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, I think good job OBS, yep. because yep. they're doing that for the sport, yep. mm-hmm. because that is their competition. So I was really excited to see that. So good job OBS on, uh, yeah. on that swap. And, and hopefully the, the Preakness will, uh, will be able to be attended, which is the plan right now, mm-hmm. uh, as well as the Derby in September. So we're just hoping that you know, things can move on. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a a, a tough time for everybody that's showing Mm -hmm. or involved in any kind. Well, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's tough time for everyone, but for horse sports, it's really Mm -hmm. a very difficult time. Um, The board of directors of Dressage at (coughs) Devon announced that the show to be held 22nd to 27th in Devon, Pennsylvania, has been canceled during to the the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, It was a very difficult decision for them. Uh, It's a very uncertain time, of course, and and there's a lot of planning ahead for those events uh, many weeks or months. And so not knowing where they're going to be at that point, uh, they're not really sure, you know, what direction that's going to go in. So uh, I think I mentioned this last week, but I want to reiterate the actually the relevance and importance of this. Um, On May 12th, the World Equestrian Center owners announced they were going to close the Ohio facility Mm -hmm. from September 1st to march 21st in response to a possible resurgence of the covid 19 in the fall months um, bringing a lot more of those shows here to the ocala area so they're taking this very seriously uh, definitely the sunshine in the horse capital is the place to be uh, and so we're very very fortunate to have those additional shows uh, here in this area of course uh, we hope for the best for everybody in ohio and for that to be able to open back up uh, sometime next year First segment of the horse show. Our horse talk show is over. We're going to bring you back with Dr. Adam Kayot from Peterson and Smith and talk about foals. Stay with us. <laughs> To the horse talk show. <laughs> welcome back to the horse talk show presented by peterson and smith equine hospital thank you to larson farms our broadcast sponsor idaho's finest alfalfa i'm your host louisa barton in the studio with me paulette stout my co-host and we have special guest lynn palm here who we're going to be chatting to in the next segment uh, last week you probably recall if you joined us we had dr adam kaot on the phone and we were talking about uh, some of the things to look out for and be aware of, and um, some of the best protocols and procedures for folding and post folding. And um, we actually only got about maybe a third or a half the way through, and, and the segment was over. So we brought him back, uh, and he was very kind enough to join us again this week. And we're going to try and finish up that, uh, that subject. So, Dr. K.O.T., welcome back. Uh, to the show. We had a little bit of a giggle at the beginning of this segment, um, because Paulette should not have energy drinks. (laughs) Uh, So I think that we had about reached the point of talking about enemas and the importance of those for foals. Uh, So Dr. (laughs) K. if you can start us off there, that would be great.
3: (laughs) All right, enemas, wonderful. (laughs) Yes. Um, um, Anyway, yeah, so enemas. um So, generally, within the um, first three hours after birth, the meconium, or that first poo, foal's first poo, (laughs) um, should pass. And it should pass uh, relatively easy. A lot of times, um, there's a lot of it. Sometimes, there's not as much as as, um, other times, but just kind of depends on the foal. Generally, you can... Uh, just kind of observe the fall, and if you see any straining, as far as uh, you see them straining to defecate, then uh, a regular uh, fleet enema would be um, advisable, and you just do it like you do any enema. It's a, you know we use the human kind that you can get at any drug store, and <clears throat> that obviously will help them. Past that meconium. Um, If you do that um, several times and you're still getting some straining, sometimes um, that needs to be manually evacuated. And that sounds
1: like a procedure.
2: (laughs) You just use a (laughs) finger,
1: right?
3: Right. (laughs) It helps if you have long, skinny fingers, which I don't. Unfortunately, I got short, (laughs) fat ones, but. they they have worked on occasion, but um, yeah. So sometimes that that's right. You have to get the di- digit in there and, and kind of <laughs> dig for gold, so to speak. God, uh,
1: you went to school for years for this, Doctor K. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's
3: exactly right. You know, it's a crappy job,
1: but <laughs> somebody's got to do it, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. So. As far as enemas, um, if you if you do more than two or if you do have to do that third one, is there any concern about any electrolyte abnormalities from that or any irritation of the rectum for the foal if you have to do it more
2: than twice?
3: No, no, I, uh-uh, no. What, what's um, better,
2: saline or the oil one?
3: Uh, the, we use the saline one. Okay, Just the regular saline one, yeah. Yeah, it's easier to go in, comes out, it's uh, you know, it's it's pretty neutral as far as that goes. It's not irritating at all, and um, um, the, I I think the saline works works the best.
1: It's usually the safe one to go with, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But there's well, no concern if you have to do it more than once or twice, then.
4: No,
3: no, uh-uh, no, no okay. uh, You just want, you know, there's there's certainly less. Less uh, worry about doing that than you know if if the if the foal continues to strain to, to pass feces. So right. um, yeah, no, there's minimal concern of having to do that two, three, even four times. You know, okay. so that's that's not.
1: Now, good. what about um, blood count and the importance of like IGG and CBC right. for for the foal?
3: Well, we usually recommend uh, within the 20, first 24 hours of foaling. Um, that the the bull have um, an neonatal exam where we we assess their um, eyelids for entropion. That's where the eyelid is actually turned in, and the eyelashes could be like rubbing on the actual eyeball itself, or on the cornea, which can obviously lead to ulcerations and that sort of stuff. We look at look at um, limb. Um, limb laxity or limb deformity from just being cooped up in the uterus um, in utero um, and how to and how to address those issues obviously uh, some heart issues could be um auscultated uh, early on and um you know then listen to the lungs check the umbilicus all that sort of thing in the exam then we then we typically want to pull a cbc and an IgG. So the CBC would give you um, white cell count, red, red cell count, uh, obviously platelet count, and, and different things that are, that are obviously important to know, and that might give you an indication of some early onset uh, problems. The other thing that's, uh, probably most important is um, the IgG, which is the immunoglobulins that the whole will have absorbed from the colostrum and we're able to get a level and if it's um, you know at a certain level then we'd say that that full is protected and obviously if it falls below that level then we need to intervene and typically um, most people um, will will administer uh, a plasma a type of plasma that is um, hyper immunized and um, that will Obviously, put the immunoglobulins right into the pole's blood. Um, most of the time, just one administration of the plasma it works. Some horses, if they're really low on their IgG level, might need two. But most of the time, one does the trick, and uh, you know you don't you don't look back. But it's very important to get um, a baseline because you can you can. Um, cut some things off early on and, and save yourself a lot of headache right. with, uh, with with an ounce of prevention really so um that's really really recommended and, and in many cases these foals there's been blood sweat tears and a lot of money mm-hmm. to get these foals on the ground mm-hmm. and uh, it behooves you to just yes. uh, do your due diligence you know
2: yeah what a- about the shot of antibiotics that we always seem to give we're using exceed well, now right
3: what I'm sorry, Paulette, What was it? There exceed,
2: exceed, She said exceed.
3: exceed yeah, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily just give a antibiotic just because. Um, you, you can, um, but uh, I don't typically have my clients just automatically give an antibiotic shot. First of all, one antibiotic shot isn't going to do you any good, and the second thing is, is that um, it, it can only lead to to resistance because if you're given it one time and the baby doesn't need it then what are you doing yeah. um you're not treating anything and like so that. it's administered for no reason I certainly like within that. the first 24 hours within the first 24 hours you have ample time to, if that full needs to be treated for some sort of infection either a low white cell count or excessively high white cell count then that treatment can be started at that point
1: I like to hear that. And That's mm-hmm. very good, actually. That's um, it's impressive. I, I don't like to use antibiotics if they're not needed. Um, we have one minute left uh, in this segment, Dr. K-Ort, uh Wrapping it up. Any other tips that you have for first-time folders That I know, the first time I fold I, a horse, I was terrified.
3: <laughs> well, I, well, exactly. So I'm I'm just going to kind of cap it off with the fir- one of the first things I said on the uh, last week, and that's you know it's exciting it's a it's a nerve-wracking time for a lot of owners it's an exciting time for a lot of owners um just be rest assured that mother nature takes care of 95 percent of them 97 percent of them it's true. And everything will go fine try to remain calm and in, just enjoy the moment and enjoy the time if you it, you know of uh, uh, this all happening and um you know yeah, Most of the time, everything works
1: out great. That's right. Thank you, Dr. Kaon, for joining us again for this segment from Peterson & Smith Equine Hospital. We'll be back with Lynn Palm in just a few minutes on the Horse Talk Show. Stay with us.
3: Yeah, thank you.
5: This show is presented by Peterson & Smith Equine Hospital, one of the top equine hospitals in the USA with services including ambulatory, surgery, sports medicine, reproduction, and with doctors on call 24 hours a day. Check them out now at petersonsmith.com. The opinions of the hosts and guests on the horse talk show are not necessarily that of Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. This show is brought to you in part by Summit Joint Performance. Promoting a healthy, thick synovial fluid, decreasing inflammation in the joints and improving the cushioning properties of the cartilage pads. All age horses can benefit from Summit Joint Performance. Our Facebook broadcast sponsor is Larson Farms. The Larson Farms mission is simple. To be the leader in quality and value, Richard, owner of Larson Farms, is committed to a positive attitude, integrity, dedication, quality, and teamwork. Larson Farms is committed to being your supplier of Idaho's finest alfalfa, a complete line of mixed and grass hay. Larson Farms, Idaho's finest alfalfa.
0: This show is brought to you in part by Seminole Feed Stores, family-owned since 1934. Manufacturing fixed-formula horse feeds with mindful monitoring and quality ingredients right here in Ocala in an all-natural, non-medicated feed mill. Seminole Feed, simply the world's best and safest feed. Like them on Facebook now or find them at SeminoleFeed.com. Hi, this is Hall of Fame
3: jockey Mike Smith. We're
1: listening to The Horse Talk Show. Back on The Horse Talk Show, presented by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. I'm Louisa Barton. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. In the studio with me, I have my co-host, Paulette Stout. And we have a very special guest in the studio, Lynn Palm, who I've wanted to have on the show for quite some time, for more than 50 years. I know that's hard to believe looking at her. Her and her husband, Cyril, have provided training for thousands of horses and riders with their dressage principles. Um, That's their teaching methods. That's what it's based on um, with clinics across the whole United States and the globe. Uh, They welcome riders to their multidiscipline facility right here in the beautiful horse capital of the world at Foxgrove Farm. And I am thrilled to have her here. She has won so many awards and worlds and reserve grand champs and everything else. I can't list them because it would take me the whole rest of the show to cover the list, which is about the length of my arm. I'm not making it up. Uh, She's a a world-renowned champion, and it is an absolutely huge honor to have her here. Lynn, thank you so much. My pleasure. Um, you look amazing. Thank you. May I say, does. I love your whole like. Yes. Well. I came straight from the office job here, and I'm like, let's swap. <laughs> um, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Horse Talk thank Show, Paulette. You. Thank you for inviting her. Yeah. Thank yeah, you so. for getting glad. her here. Yeah. Uh, and you, Marie Francis. Uh, thank you for for setting us up. And, and yep. she is
2: also a Western dressage judge mm-hmm. and one of the first ones. Mm-hmm. So. Yep.
1: so yeah, incredible. yeah, incredible, amazing. Yep. So Lynn, start us off with. How did you, I'm always so interested in whether people started like before they could walk or, or if it was later on in life or, or how you got your start. So tell us a little bit about your first
6: horse or pony. Well, um, that was when I was about eight years old. And obviously I had to have a born love for horses because there's nobody else in my parents' family um, that are into horses at all. So I grew up in a non-horsey family. Thank goodness for the 4-H. Because I was the little girl yeah. that was begging my parents for a pony. Well, yeah. they, um, we were resided from the northeast, from New Jersey to Sarasota, Florida. My father moved there for business, and uh, they got a property there where I could have it. And so, of course, the pony I picked out was pregnant. So I soon had two. Yeah. So I was really listening to what the vet had to say there about the babies because we knew nothing. Anyway, um, from there, um, it, it's I. Was fortunate that Sarasota is a, an area that um, uh, the Ringling Circus. It was a winter destination mm. for the Ringling Circus. Yes, it was. And mm-hmm. my first mentor um, was uh, a rider for the Ringling Circus for ten years, and then developed her own exhibitions and went out to all the major horse shows and was hired to do that. And um, I grew up in the dressage saddle. She lived right down the street from me. Is where she. Wow. Uh, Wintered. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So with that, I had no idea. But from that training, of course, what I learned from her and lessons, I'd go to my ponies. And then I got a, you know, my first horse was a $300 horse with a saddle and bridle included. (laughs) And, you know, we went in steps that way. And then we got a young foal, a yearling or just off the mother. And we brought it home and it jumped the fence and it's running around the neighborhood. And, you know, those were the kind of the things that, that you I to learn to exactly. learn—that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, from from there, I I was so f- I'm so fortunate to grow up in the dressage saddle because it gave me the basis for which I went on and specialized with quarter horses, the ability to do all around events and multi-disciplines. Mm-hmm. But I did compete for the very first USDF regional southeast regional championships and that was in 1968 and yes she doesn't look old enough to have competed in 1968 I was old I wasn't alive I was a pup too at that point like how it was it was and I wish I would have kept going with the dressage discipline it was new but I wanted to try everything I mean, I drove my mm-hmm. ponies in sulky racing, to mm-hmm. jumping, to mm-hmm. barrel racing, mm-hmm. to How fun to do uh, it. So, all so, yeah. so we we'll, we'll, to do everything. Doesn't so the quarter horse makes you do that? that in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it does do yeah. that. It makes yeah. you go to a breed that can do more than one thing. Yeah. Yep. So that um, um, just kept me fascinated all the time, and and you know, I I think back today, and when I was peaking in my career, which was in this late 70s, 80s, and 90s, early 2000, with the quarter horse and the all around horses. Um, I don't ride any different today than I did back then. And it was so well appreciated because my horses were always so more broke than the others. And I could do the mm-hmm. advanced things correctly where it wasn't catching on yet with the Western world. And mm-hmm. so that part was really unique and- um, So that really helped that. you, yes. It did. I mean, of course, you know, my first break was um, um, a, an appendix quarter horse, race horse that didn't want to run. <laughs> um, I was asked to see what it would do in the newly English classes, which was in the 70s. And that was when they first started the Hunter Under Saddle, and at that time, fraternities. They were money classes. They still have them today. And they
2: did mostly appendix.
6: Well, the appendix has always been my favorite because mm-hmm. I like the English horse. That's just mm-hmm. always been me. Mm-hmm. But that horse I could do more events with because I could do all the English events with. Mm-hmm. Then I could also do trail and western riding with mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. So that was a horse I could do hunters, driving, and also the Western mm-hmm. riding and trail, so mm-hmm. it made more events. You had more events, you had more chances for all around. So, um, but the part I really like, and is which we're going to get into this wonderful s- discipline of Western dressage now, which is the newest hottest thing going, mm-hmm. is that um, I ride. The same today in the Western dressage as I did started out in Western so disciplines with So your your
1: basis and your startup has actually carried you through everything, everything because it's such a great basis to to for everything.
6: To driving mm-hmm. to to it all and and really you know the classical training that's what started in mm-hmm. Europe and that is the the training that is really natural according to the horse's anatomy, their behaviors, yes. their yes. Confirmation, yes. form to function, but it, it teaches you the fundamentals. It doesn't matter what breed it is. It doesn't matter what saddle you ride. The aids are the same. The, everything's the same. You, I mean, what sport can you do well without a good balance? You right. have to have a correct yes. position for balance. Yes. So when you have a correct position with balance, then you can be effective with the aids, mm-hmm. seat, legs, and hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's the same principles. If it was a horse that didn't run on the track that I wanted to start over to, a Western, totally Western stock horse breed, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. the h- horses that y- you have that I love so much, the Gypsy Vanners. It yeah, doesn't love matter.
1: Who doesn't love the Gypsy
6: Vanners? I <laughs> love them. Yes, exactly. like the amazing so horses. I've had several of them, and you, yeah. you don't you don't change what you're doing because of the breed, yeah. or you don't change what you're doing if you want to develop the horse to do more advanced things. You just got to give them time to develop their body and physique to do it, and as well as understand what you're asking me to do. With a student,
1: just kind of getting off the topic just for a second, but with a student starting, if you had your choice with every single one, mm-hmm. would you start every single one in dressage, even if they didn't want to do it in the future?
6: Well, the the principles are going to be there, right? I mean, again, because uh, I think
1: that's a great. I didn't think that when I was a kid. I wanted right. to just gallop across a field I and jump high stuff and in the neighborhood. right. Could that's all I wanted to, to do. The
6: best in the orange groves, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: But now I see the benefit right. of exactly. of all the dressage, the core, the stability. The the, the everything. I yep. mean, I can just see how that could really yep. be the answer. Believe it or not, we only have about 40 seconds left of this segment. Oh. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, it's fortunate that we only have short breaks. Uh, so we'll be back in just a few minutes. We're going to have Lynn with us for two more segments. We're going to learn a little bit more about Western Dressage. This It's a really um, uh, new compared to the other disciplines in the equestrian world, and it really is hot. People are really excited about it and love it and um, it's gaining popularity and riders all the time, so we want to learn a little more about it. And we want it to grow in Ocala. We do, in the horse capital of the world. Mm, We'll be back in just a few minutes with Lynn and Paulette. Stay with us.
5: This show is brought to you in part by DAC Vitamins and Minerals of Florida. All horses need a solid immune system, excellent joint support, a healthy gut, and DAC has all the vitamins and minerals they need with the NASC stamp of approval. So, like them on Facebook now or go to feeddac.com. DAC, it makes a world of difference. This show is brought to you in part by Tack Shack of Ocala, the horse lover's candy store proudly offering customer halters, race tack, whips, blinkers, belts, dog collars, and more. Tack Shack of Ocala, one stop shopping for all your horse needs.
0: This show was brought to you in part by TT Distributors, dedicated to bringing their customers the largest selection of quality horse supplements, products, and farrier supplies in Florida at affordable prices. Also online at TTDistributors.com.
5: This show is brought to you in part by Horse Boxes USA, the newest and most advanced way to safely transport your horses in style. Horse Boxes USA comes standard with a backup camera, horse cabin camera, and dual fans. Visit them at JJ Tack Shop on Highway 40 in Ocala or online at HorseboxesUSA.com.
0: Welcome back to the Horse Talk Show. You never heard of a talking horse? Well, listen to this. With your host,
3: Louisa Barton. What does it feel like to be in love with a horse?
0: Presented this hour by Palm Chevrolet, your hometown Chevy store.
5: Now, here's
3: your pretty, pretty Louisa Barker. You're fab, you're switched on, you're a bit of old
1: right. yes. <laughs> this talk show presented by Palm Chevrolet, your hometown Chevy experience. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. I'm Louisa Barton in the studio with Paulette Stout, my co-host, and very special guest, Lynn Palm in the studio with us. Before we get back to where we were, a couple of quick comments um, on the show from Tiffany Jones Crumbly. Disappointing and don't understand how it could still be considered the Triple Crown this year. The difficulty of having them so close together is gone. This is not a normal year. She also says maybe they should make this year's Grand Slam combo the Corona crown. Oh, God, that's That's funny. Tiffany, you're a funny one. I like it. Uh, And then before we get back to this, a question from Kay Cohen for Lynn Palm. I have a question for Lynn with the WDAA alliance with AQHA. Do you know when AQHA will start? WDAA accepting scores for AQHA point. That's a lot of initials, Kate. Thank you for the question.
6: Well, apparently, um, right now, it, it, it's being started. Um, uh, the next show that's going to be at the Horse Park for Western Dressage. That's, that's this coming month. Yes, this coming month. Uh, Marie's working on the approval on that. Yeah, so um, uh, it's, it's starting. So... Uh, I think it's going to be really exciting because, you know, the American Quarter Horse is the largest breed in the world, there's a lot of people involved, and um, I really think the ranch rotting enthusiasts are going to be our biggest, most hungry ones for the Western dressage, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. the discipline helps any Western event, and that's where we've been seeing it so far, working with... People just like to do obstacles, or they want to ride better for trail riding, or they mm-hmm. want to do better in their Western pleasure, right. or they want to do um, uh, obstacles, trail, right, right. lead changes. Right, right. You know, there's there's um, this discipline helps all of that. It improves all of that. It takes but it to also, a new level. It
2: also gives a discipline for kind of stock horses and, and sort of off-breed horses, like the, the gated horses and, and things, where you don't really, even though we can compete in the English dressage with other breeds, it's not like the warm blood. Mm-hmm.
6: Yes, the warm blood will always be the breed of choice. It has for to the be English for dressage. the English dressage, because the they're exactly more lofty, classical dressage, it, the classical tradition. dressage. Yep.
2: So it gives these but, horses a different place yep. to be the type of horse that they are. Right. Would you agree with that?
6: I totally agree. It's, it's for all breeds, and that's the beauty of it. And that's what I like so much about being a judge for it, is that you have to look at the breed, the horse that you're judging, his confirmation. And how he's functioning with the level that they're working at mm-hmm. because you're gonna have an Arab or uh, look much different than a quarter horse or you have a gypsy horse he's his his self carriage and movement mm-hmm. is gonna look different than a draft cross mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it, it, it's fun that way mm-hmm. and I I don't they don't there isn't a breed of choice in the Western dressage yet it's yeah. still do you think there
1: ever will be? No, because no. They, they do gated
6: horses.
2: Yeah, yeah that's also right. Gated yes, horses, they do. And they're
6: beautiful to watch.
2: We're
1: actually going to roll some photos up if you're joining us on Facebook now, um, please like us on Facebook at the Horse Talk Show. You can also check us out at the com. Celebrating the 50th anniversary! Yes. Look at that I for know, Palm it. Equestrian Academy. I know. It. You must have been like in diapers when you opened <laughs> it, right?
6: <laughs> no, but when I did graduate from high school, I was a professional, by the way. So, uh, well, I kind of yeah. made money before that, yeah. teaching the neighborhood kids, right? Yeah. The neighborhood uh, horses, so I could. And this is have beautiful, things. isn't he beautiful? Oh my yes. gosh! Who was explain that one? This is a um, uh, uh, royal, ro- hot and royal. You know, uh, I love, the,
1: I love, love, love the quarter horse names. Yes, I have to say, yes. they're the best. Yep,
6: and he's uh, about he's about ten years old. He's not quite a teenager yet. Um, he came from the the show world. Um, this discipline did so much for him because he really went through some really harsh training, mm-hmm. and he was a um, a horse that hated to show. Mm-hmm. And um, really? I was invited, yes, to the World Cup in Omaha, Nebraska. And with Rugged Painted Lark here, the paint, and him, I took him there and I did two freestyles uh, to Western music. Uh, I did him in the, in the um, uh, uh, Rommel bridal, and then uh, Hot and Royal, he did first level movements, and then the other one did the fourth level movements. And, um, Beautiful. And it was the first time. The Western saddle is ever in the traditional or classical dressagery. Really? And on an international Mm -hmm. level, yes. Oh, my God! The people were crazy for it. They loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, even Carl Hester was watching me, really? yes. And um, it was really fun. The horses were, they performed well, their ears were forward, they were happy. And somebody's the work.
2: in the back either taking a picture
6: or yeah. filming you. Yeah. Did you see that? <laughs> and that's a definitely a ranch type quarter horse, the old stock type breed um, in the breed. And uh, they, it's it's for any breed horse. They, you know, the horses now, is are that happy. A, where is that? That's at uh, Grand Oaks. Grand, Oaks. No, I Grand, Oaks. Oh, I Grand Oaks. I love Grand Oaks. Oh, I love Grand
1: Oaks. I love Grand Oaks. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So on a for Western dressage, um, you actually you can wear chaps if you want. Yes. Helmets are not necessarily required, but you can wear a helmet. Yes,
6: you can. Yes, helmet or Western hat, um, either. Um, you can wear the shorter chaps, which they call them chinks, mm-hmm. or the long chaps. Um, you can wear a casual outfit like I have with a, just a shirt and a scarf. How nice. Vest, jacket. Those so you can really be dressy. yourself. You can really be yourself. Nice. Or you can be very casual, wear just jeans and and boots, and just uh, a long-sleeve shirt, colored shirt. Just as long so. as you're
2: looking like a working
6: person. It, exactly. Nice. A working rider. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
1: so so why do you think that this newer sport has got so hot so fast
6: well i think because there's such a, a great world of people that really want to ride well they want they have a passion for the horse and they love western and especially us in our older years Mm-hmm. We like that bigger saddle and that horn there in the front. And you don't yeah. have to ride a lofty horse. And you don't have to <laughs> ride a horse that's bouncy, that's got a big gait. Yes. And so it really gives a, a, a big, a, a large area for lots of different people. Um, and I think the the best part of it is that you really learn in this discipline to truly harmonize with your horse and be a partner with the horse. So, I always say, if people like to dance, mm-hmm. it's a way that you can dance with your horse, but the best part of it is that the the levels and the it always teaches correct riding, but the ultimate goal is that the horse is doing it willingly. Yeah. So, when the horse does it willingly, in competition, you're going to get your highest scores, mm-hmm. because you have to be riding well for that horse to do it correctly. Mm-hmm. So it, it's that's a good combination of it. So It's
2: like being, it's getting away from the Western, as in Western pleasure, where you have the, what they call the peanut rollers. Mm-hmm. These horses can move free. Yes. Kind of a freer head, yes. free and
6: forward, and yes. be able to raise their
2: head. Exactly,
6: yes. You want a natural self-carriage in the lower levels, the intro, which is walk trot, the basic, which is walk trot. Introduction of the canner, and I, I'm using English words, jog and lope, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, um, and then as the levels go up, the horses have to carry themselves more collected. Well, there's no horses that should be collected with a pole okay. lower than the top line. That's just not the anatomy of any horse. Right. So it really then begins to teach riders, or the horses learn to do things correctly, because they're being taught through these levels, and what's Recommended or the new requirements and, teaches yep, them
2: that and biomechanically correct
6: exactly. Well incredible. said,
1: incredible. Is there any age that's too old to start learning this? No, no. And we have
6: many people start fifties, sixties, really, yeah, seventies. Mm-hmm. Incredible. People until their eighties. Yeah, yeah. Queen so, of England, look at her. I know it. Yeah. Why not? That's, that's the beauty of the equestrian sport. We it certainly
1: is. You're right. Yeah. You're yeah. right. Incredible learning uh, about Western dressage with, with a, a true global champion uh, who's accomplished so much and still, and teaching and learning, I'm sure, just oh, like yes. all of us always. in yeah. the horse world, we're always learning. Right. Uh, we are going to come back. We have another segment with Lynn Palm, Paulette Stout. Uh, set this up. It's wonderful to have a. Uh, have somebody really world-renowned here in the studio with us this evening. We'll be back on the Horse Talk Show in just a minute. Stay with us.
0: This hour of the Horse Talk Show is presented by Palm Chevrolet in Ocala, where the entire team is committed to making your experience in sales and service hassle-free and easier than ever with no games or gimmicks. Come in and visit on Southwest College Road or online at palmchevrolet.com. A second-to-none experience with all the amenities. Palm Chevy. Find new roads.
5: This show is brought to you in part by Dac Vitamins and Minerals of Florida. All horses need a solid immune system, excellent joint support, a healthy gut, and Dac has all the vitamins and minerals they need with the NASC stamp of approval. So like them on Facebook now or go to feeddac.com. Dac, it makes a world of difference. This show is sponsored in part by Equisin. When visiting the horse capital of the world, you want to stay at a hotel that reminds you of what you love about Ocala, the horses. Stay tuned to this show for announcements about the renovations to be completed Fall 2019 at the Equus Inn by following them on Facebook and Instagram at Equus Inn.
4: When you bring your taxes to Liberty Tax, we'll handle it. No matter what you throw at us. No matter what you need. No matter what. And we're so confident we'll do a great job. You'll want to bring us your friends, your family, your loved ones, your neighbors, your co-workers. You may even want to bring us everyone in the world. But please don't. We're not staffed for that. Liberty Tax. Bring it. We'll handle it. Hi,
3: this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to The Horse Talk Show.
1: back on the Horse Talk Show presented by Palm Chevrolet, your hometown Chevy experience. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor Idaho's very finest alfalfa. By the way, in August I'll be in Idaho and I will be helicoptering over those fields to check out that hay for you. And I'll tell you it's the best in Marion County (laughs) by far and perhaps the best in Florida. I'm Louisa Barton in the studio with my co-host, Paulette Stout. We also have a very special guest, huge honor, um, to have a a top champion, Lynn Palm, who I've wanted to have on the show for a very, very long time. So I'm thrilled to have her here in the studio with us. Lynn, we've been talking about Western Dressage. Um, Tell us about some of the levels.
6: Well, it's um, similar to the classical dressage um, in the fact that um, the WDA, DAA, the Western Dressage Association, uh, made up of a great group of people that were um, had Arabians and Morgans, and they've they've mirrored the classical dressage, and I I think that's why it's the beauty of the USEF or uh, U.S. Equestrian adopting mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. and um, so they're an affiliate. So they're an affiliate, which is great because the classical dressage is is proven, and it's proven for both. Riders learning to become more skilled riders as well as developing the horse. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what I like, the beauty, it's the first time that um, we have something tangible for Western riders to follow Mm -hmm. a progression. For instance, one of my um, uh, classical uh, questions or requests with a rider is I'd like to learn a flying lead change. Well, that's great. Mm-hmm. But I for, always first ask them, do you know that that's the most advanced and difficult lead uh, transition mm-hmm. the horse does? And they go, well, no, I didn't really think of it that way, but I really <laughs> want to do it. I said, okay, well, let's see how you do with a jog-lope transition or walk-lope transition and downward, and mm-hmm. and I see them have difficulties mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or challenges with it. and you can't do that. So now there's something tangible right. that takes you from a walk trot introductory level, walk-trot lope, level one, two, three, and now in our level four we have the leech the flying lead change. Do you know all those requirements that they is recommended in those levels gives the rider the tools and the horse mm-hmm. the ability to be able to do it. So it's a beauty way, and what we're finding is people are learning to train their own horses doing the, and following the levels. So nice. The other thing is that if, if you like to do pattern kind of classes, if you've been a competitor or have just tried it a little bit and you like to follow a course and you want to do it accurate and you want to do it well, that's exactly what the, the dressage court, as the classical people say, the arena is. It's, it's made up of a d- dimension and you have a math that you follow, the sizes, and it really becomes um, a, a, a good challenge for riders to find that imaginary spot and the spot with the letter and, and to do it with accuracy. And when they do, again, when you come back to the fundamentals of their position and balance, how they're using their age to control the horse then when they're riding with accuracy they have to be controlling the horse's balance and straightness mm-hmm. when you do that there you, we're harmonizing together yeah, and we yeah, get those wonderful yeah. moments that we all live for riding and you'll when
2: find that you're starting to ride with your mind yeah you're actually you actually have to engage your mind yeah, you have to think about
6: what you're doing in riding and think Amazing. for your horse and mm-hmm. think in front of your horse and so So
1: this incredible sport, uh, here we've got the books, we've got the levels, we've got some other amazing um, publications here. Um, Total, uh, your complete guide here to Western Dressage, wonderful, by Lynn Palm. You can't get much better than that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've got to ask you the old time question, and this is sort of changing the subject, but it has to have been amazing to be on Rugged Lark, Right.
5: I mean uh, you're, known a, you're known for
1: you're known for a million things and you're famous years. for a million things yeah. but that's going to go down
6: in history 16 right 16 years he was my boyfriend yes oh, without a doubt probably the best boyfriend you oh had. yeah <laughs> definitely but we had uh, uh, a very short show career. I wish they had Western dressage. Oh, I was going to ask you. He would have been it, he wouldn't
1: been, he? <laughs> he would have been the... Uh,
6: he would have been perfect for it. He'd the have coordinate. been the star. Yes, sure. he could have been the um, the breed of choice. who yes. would have done that. No, but really, um, um, yes, he would have done this very easily. But he was an amazing horse. Um, probably the, the thing that I could say the most interesting for everybody to know is that when I had him as a two-year-old, which I do just... Ground stuff with horses, two year olds. Now, I don't even ride them till right. they're three, but at then we were riding them as two year olds. And um, the horse always retained his lessons. And I'd repeat wow. something and I'd have to stop and i say, Lark, you shouldn't be doing this. this <laughs> yet. And I'd go put him away. Or if I'd run into a problem, and I'd always had a great relationship with Carol Harris' his owner, and she's such a great horseman and a mentor she is. for me. Yes. And um, I'd, I'd call her and I'd say, Carol, i having these struggles with rugged larkies. This isn't going so well. And she, you know what she'd always say? Do nothing. Go and graze him. Turn him out. Go and just spend time with him and you just graze him. and Do nothing. And he'd always come back better. <laughs> isn't that amazing? So I keep practicing that a lot still with all his kids because we have a lot of them at the farm. I still really so like his breeding. With, they're so oh, smart. They are. Yeah, they're amazing. And they're um, athletes too.
1: So with yeah. your... Um, list of accomplishments is there anything on your bucket list that you haven't accomplished that you really want yes
6: yes i want to do combined driving yes Yes, i I really do i i've been i've been inching at it for several years now but i love driving i always have i uh, like i said i was um a kid driving with male adults in Tampa with my ponies with racing, you know? Sulky racing. Um, I've, I've always loved that in the show ring, um, that we had pleasure driving and used to have yeah. great outfits, yeah. and it was a two wheel, yeah. sulky. Um, and I, yeah, uh, Tom Warner, I've, and yeah, uh, Tom, also, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he's been a uh-huh. great one to, get me some lessons and I every time I go to Grand Oaks I always say can I go training with you when he goes and trains so I'm running away from the horse show to go ride with him um, and uh, you know Chester Weber. I mean, we, we have the best in our backyard. This is really becoming like the eventing people' yeah. a, a destination for the yes. combined driving. Yeah. Um And so that's on my bucket list. I really would like to do that. And that's Mary amazing. Phelps. See Mary Phelps. I done. love Mary Phelps. See Pelt. what she's done. She's oh, yeah. just gotten started in the sport. Yes. Within five years, she's gone to an international level. And again. And um, her two ponies, and Bria. I, I know it. I know. I so, had the first
1: box. She gave me the. The first box with the first two priors in it, nice. and I cried. Uh, so <laughs> it's amazing. The,
6: that's something I really like to do. Yes. Uh,
1: we are going to put um, Lynn's, if we don't have it up, we're going to put Lynn's website up. We do, look at that. Um, uh, really check her out. She has got an incredible resume and obviously more to come. Uh, with Lynn being the champion that she is, I could just see her. Uh, winning Live Oak International uh, <laughs> yeah. in the future. Uh, why not yes, accomplish I need an the owner. best?
6: I need an owner. And I'll navigate. <laughs> okay,
1: yeah. And I'll go. cheer. Actually, okay. I, I've had my first few driving lessons and it, I've always loved watching it and I've always loved taking love a carriage it. ride downtown with Kimmy Carp and things like that. It. But I never imagined I wanted to do it yeah. until the stagecoach driver, uh, the 1859 stagecoach driver, that it, David, friend of mine, pulled me up on the stagecoach and handed me the reins. Yep. And there were innocent victims in the in the stagecoach, so yeah. I had to get on it, you know. Right. And um, he just handed me the reins. And, of course, yep. the horses were brilliantly well-trained. Right. Um, but then Wayne, yes. Mary's husband, uh, gave me yes. a, a couple he helped of lessons.
6: Me. me too. And um, I loved Great. it. So when this
1: whole pandemic
6: thing's over, I'm back for more. There you go. And I forgot to say I did 15 years of sleigh rides in my my facility in Michigan. How amazing. Uh, Yes. Yep. I would love that. With Clydesdales. Of course, everybody knows Clydesdales. We just
1: got the one minute, which means we're actually at 30 Ah. seconds. (laughs) <laughs> this, has been great. this has been incredible no, Lynn. To come again please if would
6: you we, we, we yes. would love to All have right. you back yep. any Loved
1: time it. we'd love to learn more Good. about you and sure. mm-hmm. I'm really serious about the whole Live Oak International thing because this lady is a champion Good. Can be
6: a team. and a winner yes
1: <laughs> we'll be back for the last segment of the horse talk show in just a few minutes we uh, have a special series we're starting this week with Linda and Pat Pirelli at home with the Pirellis so we're going to share segment one with you tonight and then I'll come back and wrap the show up stay with us
5: This show is sponsored in part by All In Removal. Like jockey and horse, shavings delivery and manure removal go together naturally and are the green natural solution too. All In Removal offers a great way to save you money combining the two services of quality pine shavings delivery and manure container rental and removal. Great service, great quality and the green choice too. Like All In Removal on Facebook now or go to allinremoval.com for more information. This show is brought to you in part by New Millennium Realty. Owner and broker Brian Cox loves this community and wants to help you find your place in the horse capital of the world. Like them on Facebook or find them at allfarmsmatter.com. New Millennium Realty, the future of real estate. Our Facebook broadcast sponsor is Larson Farms. The Larson Farms mission is simple, to be the leader in quality and value. Richard. Owner of Larson Farms is committed to a positive attitude, integrity, dedication, quality, and teamwork. Larson Farms is committed to being your supplier of Idaho's finest alfalfa, a complete line of mixed and grass hay. Larson Farms, Idaho's finest alfalfa.
4: Hi,
3: this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith.
1: We're listening to The Horse Talk Show. Back on the last segment of The Horse Talk Show this week. I think I say this often, but wow, it flew by. Uh, it was great to have Lynn Palm here with us. She's going to stay with us for this final segment. Uh, we have a very special series that we're uh, we'll going to start. I think it's eight or nine episodes um, of The Pirellis Live, Pat and Linda. Uh, And we were fortunate enough to be out on their farm at home with the Pirellis, the series is called. And it really starts at the beginning. We're going to go through the childhood, the romance, the beginning of the program, and um, the success. So I'm going to uh, turn it over now to our uh, our video that we did out there at the farm with them, uh, with their dogs and their horses, and a beautiful day it was indeed. So here they are, episode one, Linda and Pat Pirelli. I'm Louisa Barton with The Horse Talk Show, here with Linda and Pat Pirelli. Uh, We're starting a little series at home with the Pirellis. Gonna tell you a little bit of background about them so you can learn a little bit about how they became superstars. And uh, everybody likes to know about the beginning of great stories. So uh, I'm here with Linda and Pat gonna start with Linda and let her tell us a little bit about growing up. She had her first lesson at nine, her first pony at 12, And uh, she was born in Singapore, grew up in Australia, and uh, she's been around horses pretty much all of her life. Uh, It'd be interesting to hear a little bit more about her childhood. So Linda, tell us a little bit about you.
4: Well, I think you pretty much summed it up. You know, I was born horse crazy and I I just pestered my, my parents until they gave me a horse. I was a horse. I'd have two sticks as my front legs and make my sister ride me around, you know. I mean, I was just horse crazy. And in Singapore, there was nowhere to have a horse. You never had a horse in your backyard, let alone, you know, a horse that you could own easily. But I, I finally started going to a riding club that was all British Horse Society run. And so I had, you know, pretty traditional riding lessons. And, and then we moved to Australia and I just pestered my parents until they bought me a pony. And so then I got this little pony and I just rode him like a wild Indian everywhere in parks and in the, the, um, bush. We don't call it the forest there, but the bush. And, um, and then also on the beach. And so I was so lucky to grow up like that. A lot of people don't have that. So
1: growing up, learning to ride, at least for me uh, in England, it was pretty much get on the pony, you know, pick the horse's feet, brush it off, get on the pony and make it do what it's supposed to do. And if it doesn't, then you're supposed to make it do what it's supposed to do. Um, I did not have the benefit of anything like Pirelli natural horsemanship, which I had. Fortunately, I had some natural, uh, knowledge of horses that came to me from probably generations of family and background, but nothing that I could follow or learn or any instructions. Did you have anything like that? And how did you deal with your naughty ponies?
4: <laughs> no, I mean, it's, pretty much the same thing unless you went for regular riding lessons you were pretty much on your own and I was lucky enough in Australia in Sydney um, to keep my ponies on a a vacant piece of land and I tethered them there was no stables or barn or or even a fenced paddock you know I had them on big long ropes and they would just I would just move the stake and graze them all over the place and um, pony club was really my background then you know I'd go to meetings once a month and go to Canners and little horse shows that they put on. But that was pretty much it. You know, that was the extent of my riding lessons. And it was the same thing. It's not really um, horsemanship and horse psychology, certainly, as we talk about it today. But it was riding lessons. You know, sit up straight, put your heels down shoulders back, you know, ride in a straight line. And, and I remember even going to competitions and I love the gym counters because you know, just go fast and run around barrels and things. But, you know, I remember going into the showing part or hacking and, you know, you had to look really nice for the judge and your outside leg would be going, oh, you know, banging on the horse. It's like you behave and you go forward. But on the inside it's like, Oh, you know, look how nice my horse is. And so, uh, but you know, so much of it was just kind of fun. And even though, I love the competition. It wasn't until I was a little bit older and I, I um, got my second horse that I started to get a little bit more competitive. And then, um, you know, as as things go, I went to university and then um, started on my career and I stopped riding horses and my ponies retired to my parents' farm. And, um, and then when I was in my, gosh, um, early 30s, late 20s, I got a horse again after a seven-year hiatus, and that was the reason I met Pat.
1: It was probably the worst seven years, too, not having a horse, that right?
4: Was terrible. It was terrible because, you know, well, everybody who's horse crazy knows that. You know, you're still watching horse racing or watching anything that's got horses or reading things that have horses in it. And finally, one day, I just thought, you know, I have to have a horse in my life again, and and that's how I ended up with the horse that made me go to a cowboy and a horseman for advice. <laughs> I loved the
1: Jim Carners too. They were the most fun, weren't they? Uh, lots of fun with little ponies at the Jim Carner. great fun. So you were going to be a teacher. You were actually in university for eighteen months um, to be a teacher, but you weren't really crazy about the curriculum. How much of that helped you with teaching both in your makeup line, to teach people to go on and promote your makeup line uh, or and also onward then with teaching people how to
4: understand their horse, think like a horse. Uh, did that help you a lot? It helped me some. What's kind of funny is that, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And and a friend of my family said, you know, why don't you become a teacher? The hours are great and you'll have vacations and all this kind of thing. And I went, oh, that sounds like a great idea because I didn't know what I wanted to do. But then um, when I was at university, it was interesting. The psychology part was really the most fascinating for me. But then I dropped out because I just got impatient with studying and I wanted to get out in the real world and get a job and whatever and so that's when I started in the skincare industry but it was while I was in that education I I shouldn't say that I got into the skincare industry and I was a, a, a skin therapist for many years and then the company employed me to start running their product schools and I began to get curious about um, marketing and sales and, and even teaching and I just kind of fell into these things uh, that were life-changing for me you know that i went to a sales seminar and then that led me to marketing seminars and then to people like robert kiyosaki and tony robbins and dr stephanie burns and and it was unbelievable what i started to learn about human potential and how bad most teaching is and so it really changed my life in terms of you know how do you teach people so they can really learn not just blurt information at them and that's where it became really really interesting and when i met pat and we started to put this program together i mean all my preparation was there absolutely now we know you very
1: well for dressage um did you do other other horse events as a as a child growing up did you do show jumping did you you probably never heard of western like me right
4: <laughs> well you know there was a, a little bit of the western but i was so into the hacking and and um and then gymkhana because i You know, my horse was messing up so bad and I just went and galloped him one day around the barrels and went, this is much more fun. And then I wanted to be, I wanted to event and I did some jumping and some cross country and avoided dressage like the plague. You know, you had to do it. And and then I started to get very interested in it. You know, first of all, because my horse was, mostly out of control and so I thought I have to do some dressage and I always thought you know well dressage is easy it's just for riding around in circles you know I had no idea and and so I I became quite captivated by it and and fascinated by how difficult it was to ride a circle it's like how can that be that hard and so um, that's where that passion began and then of course the horse that I had you know, wanted to do anything except dressage. And so the behavioral problems that I got is what led, then led me to Pat. Difficulties.
1: Uh, when I think back over growing up, uh, same thing. I didn't know how to handle difficulties. You know, I mean, I handled them as the most natural way they came to me to deal with it, but I didn't have any anybody to follow or anybody. Obviously, if you guys had already been around then, it would have been... <laughs>
4: And, and you know, that was the thing that um, because I, I was having riding lessons regularly, dressage lessons. But when I started with Pat, um, you know, I would call him about once every two or three months because I was stuck. And I had some of his videos, but they were basically like showing you what to do, but they weren't a curriculum. And so, of course, when my horse did things that weren't expected. I didn't know what to do with them. And luckily I could call Pat, but that's like a long time ago. Now we've got hundreds of thousands of students. You can't do that. And so I was very lucky. And when Pat came back and and did more clinics, I mean, first of all, the information that he gave us was so deep like it was way more than riding lessons we really learned how to think and to puzzle solve and and i just then needed well where do i go next where do i go next and so that's when we got together about you know how can we make more advanced lessons for people instead of it just being the foundation and how can we go in deeper and then for different disciplines and you know different what we call horse analyses. and so the whole thing just grew out of that Absolutely incredible.
1: Uh, we are going to close up this segment, and we're going to come right back and have uh, Pat tell us a little bit about what it was like to uh, for Pat Perelli growing up and what his childhood was like. Uh, looking forward to hearing about that. Stay with us on the Horse Talk Show. I'm Louisa Barton. That's it for this week. Happy horsing around. Till the same time next week. Make sure you like us on Facebook.
2: You're welcome. <laughs>